So being Valentine's Day, it's the perfect day to talk about I love my church. If you're not from if you if you're newer to the church, every year generally in February, we take 1 to 4 weeks, this year 1 week, and we talk about this idea of I love my church and um and just say what's that mean? And here's my hope. I hope on Valentine's Day, the day of love, that you love your church. Meaning I hope you love the people who make up your church as well as I hope you love what the church is up to, what we do. Um, this Just this week, you know what you got to do this week? Um, one of our missionary families in Ukraine um, is facing a situation where because of COVID, they were a church of about 1,200 people, averaging the reach, averaging um, about 350 a Sunday. COVID hit, disbanded their church, and in the midst of COVID, lost their building. The company said, you can't even have our building anymore. And so they're trying to reopen now, and they're trying to find a building, and they just happened to let us know that they're looking for a building, and this building was going to take a little stretch for them. And as he was he sent a, a Marco Polo message to, to me and Suzanne about it, and it wasn't asking for anything, I just felt the Spirit say, you need to give them some seed money from our missions budget to say to their board, because their board was like, can, is God going to provide for us? And I just felt that in my spirit, like right now, contact them. I said, I tell you what, Portview Church will give you some money to start it off. And that sparked, their board was saying, ah, we don't know. That sparked their board to say, you know what? God's in this thing. And so they're proceeding. They have to go through a 30-page contract. In Ukraine, he said, everything can be, he said, people will rent out buildings that they don't even own. So it's a 30-page contract their lawyers are going through. If it all pans out and the people renting it actually own the building, um, they'll be in that building and start to rebuild this congregation that was so healthy and strong. And uh, so you know why we do that? Because we're people who care, right? But we as a church, we love our church, and I hope you love what we're all about, that you guys are about helping a church in Ukraine get back going so that they can keep reaching the people they've been reaching. So I love my church. I hope you do. And what I want to do today is I want to elevate the church. See, I'm kind of tired of something. This is what I'm tired of. I'm tired of, in the culture we live in, the church getting a bad rap. Anybody else tired of that? The church is the most awesome thing in the world, literally on the planet. The church of Jesus Christ is the best thing going in the world. And I'm getting kind of tired of people disparaging speaking down about God's church. See, the other day I was reading um, a Facebook post of a friend of mine, and he put this out there, and I don't say this is really true about necessarily our church, but it is true about the church in general, and he asked this question out on Facebook to everybody. Some of you may have seen it. He asked the question, tell me why you think that a lot of younger people are leaving the church. Now I'm saying, hey, our church doesn't have a lot of younger people leaving. Maybe they're at home in your Snuggies this morning. But um, our church has got a lot of younger people in the church. But the statistics say that that's happening. And so, and, and I was so sad as I began to read the answers that people were writing in response. And I was thinking, these are this guy's friends and writing this response to him. So many wrong ideas about the church. So many misunderstandings about the church is supposed to be. And I really read that and I wanted to, and I, I never, you guys know, I don't interact on social media and stuff because it's foolish most of the time. It doesn't work. It doesn't help. And so I don't interact. That was a little hint there on a good way to approach social media. Don't get hooked. It doesn't do any good. But anyways, I wanted to interact and I didn't. 
Because I wanted to say is, I guarantee you, none of you who are responding have even stepped foot in a church, or at least not for a long time, not being part of a church. And so I thought today would be a good day, a great day, Valentine's Day, to talk about the church that I love and that I hope that you love. And the first thing I want to explain about the church is this. The church is God's idea. What I saw in many of those posts that I read was the idea that the church was unnecessary. In fact, one person said this. The reason people don't go to church is because the church gets in the way of people's relationship with God. Can I teach you a spiritual word, a theological word right now? You're going to repeat it after me? You're going to say this word with me. Ready? I'll say it, then you repeat it. Hogwash. Say that with me. Say hogwash. That's, you know what hogwash is? That's the slop that a pig rolls in. Hogwash. That's just not true. I couldn't disagree more with that incredibly naive statement. The church is necessary. Why? Um, it doesn't get in the way because the church is God's idea. It's the main way that God connects with people. It's because, oh, it gets in the way. Wrong. The church is the main way that God connects with, with people, with the world. One day Jesus was asking his disciples who people thought that he was. He was just saying, what are the people on the street? What's the word on the street about me? And they answered, they said, some think you're John the Baptist, and some think that you're a prophet. But then Peter said, but you know what? You're the son of a living God. And so Peter, so Jesus said that Peter was blessed because he knew the correct answer. Then Jesus said this. He said, and I say to you that you are Peter, which means small rock. And upon this rock, this large rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell, of Hades, will not overpower it. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus says to Peter, upon what you've just said, that's the rock he's talking about. People misunderstood it and say, he's building upon Peter being the rock. No, it's saying, you're a small rock. The big rock is his confession of faith. Upon this confession of faith that Jesus is the son of God, on that foundation, he said this, he would build his church. He doesn't say, I will build Mark's church. He said, he, Jesus, would build his church. The church is his church. It's his church. It's his idea. So any thought that negates the church can never be in line with what God's plan is for humanity. Somebody saying, it gets in the way of my relationship. What was the theological word? Hogwash. Not true. God designed the church as the way to, to interact with him. And I lo- so I love the church because it's God's church. Now, as God's idea, as God's church, the church has a purpose. God is building and protecting his church because the church is his embodiment in the world. Hear that. The church is his embodiment in the world. It's the way that God interacts with the world. He interacts with the world primarily through us. You say, but he does through the Holy Spirit. He does. Where does the Holy Spirit live? In us, in every person who's a child of God. So God interacts with the world through us. The church is his embodiment in the world. 
Now, when I say that, I don't mean talking about the institution of the church. People say, well, you're talking about this denomination or that denomination. No, no, not the institution of the church, but rather the individuals of the church that join together because we're a corporate being. We join together to create the, the whole that Jesus calls, calls the church. God interacts with the world through the people that make up his church. That's why the Apostle Paul describes the church in one of the many metaphors he uses. He says the church is a body. It's like a body. He says where Jesus, remember how he describes it? Jesus is the what? The head. And all of the various parts, meaning us, are what? we're, We're the hands, we're the feet, we're the eyes, we're the mouths, we're the kneecaps. We're the body of Christ, and he is the head. And as the head, he works those through those who make up, who comprise the church. Now, that brings us to what might be the most amazing and wonderful point about the church. And it's this. That's this church, that's God's idea, that it's God's, his embodiment in the world. So it's God's way of expressing himself. You think, okay, that means he's got a bunch of perfect people? No. The most amazing and wonderful thing to be about the church is that the church is made up of imperfect and flawed people. Look at what the Apostle Paul had to say about about the church when he wrote about the church in the book of 1 Corinthians. Grab your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Fire up your phone. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, you have your elephant skin on today? You know what I mean by your thick skin? Because he's going to talk about the church here. And we are the church. He's talking about us here, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He's going to talk about the most perfect people who make up the church. Are you ready? We'll start chapter 1, start in verse 26. For consider your calling. And he's talking about in the context here, you're calling into the body of Christ, into, into the kingdom of God, into being part of the church. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong, and the base things of the world to dis- and, and despise. God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, So that no man may boast before God or or brag before God. But by his doing, you are, by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus or part of the church who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We'll stop right there. Paul is writing to Christians here. He says, you're in Christ, who made up the church in a real city called Corinth. He's writing to real people in a real city, in a real town, in a town called Corinth. And what does he not say? He doesn't say that the people are gifted or that they are perfect. On the contrary, look what he says. He says, they were chosen by God even though they were what? Not wise, not mighty, not noble, He says, in fact, the ones that God chose are weak and base and despised. And then he explains why. So why in the world would God choose people like that? If you were to try to develop a winning team to do something, you would pick the best and the brightest. 
God says, that's not my plan. Why? So we, you and me, realize that it's not about us. We realize his love isn't earned and it's not deserved. And that even though we're frail and broken and have problems, he chose us, broken and imperfect. And therefore, what do we do? We brag about him. We recognize we are imperfect, we are flawed people, and God chose us on purpose. God chose you on purpose, and you go, but you don't know. Pastor Mark, you don't really know my faults. You don't really know my problems. And I'm saying, I don't need to. He does. And he chose you on on purpose because you're imperfect. So that when he brings us together as the church, a bunch of imperfect people without all the abilities in the world, and God does amazing things through us, like help a church in Kiev get reestablished, it's because of him. We brag on him. He used you and he used me together to accomplish amazing, mighty things. We are imperfect, and God chooses us on on purpose. Um, And the, the, the posts that I read that were criticizing the church, one of the things they kept saying is about the imperfectness of people in the church. And the thing is, friends, they just didn't understand what the church is. You see, I know something about our church. I know something about the church as a whole. I know this. I am flawed and imperfect. Now, John, did it almost knock you out of your chair? Almost. I am flawed and imperfect. You are flawed and imperfect. So stop trying to fool everybody. We all know it's true. We're flawed and imperfect. Now, that isn't an excuse for all of us to just say, well, I'm flawed and imperfect, so I'm just going to live however I want. I'm going to live sinfully. No. What it is, is an invitation into the doorway of grace. I'm not perfect, but I need God. It's knowing that when we gather, that all of us have rough edges, so we extend grace toward one another. The church, the church that Jesus is building and protecting is a gathering of flawed and imperfect people that embrace other flawed and imperfect people. And I love that about the church. I've always wanted to put a sign out front of our church that said, no perfect people welcome. You know what? Because we are all imperfect. Aren't you glad it's okay for you to be imperfect? Amen? There's something else I love about the church. It's the joining together of flawed and imperfect people for the purpose of establishing and extending God's kingdom on the earth. If you are in the church, meaning you're in Christ, meaning you've given your heart to Christ and you're following him as your Lord and your Savior, that's how you get in the church. You say, I was living where I'm the ruler of my life. Now I'm living with Jesus as the ruler of my life. And as soon as I do that, I become part of the church, the family of God. They're all words for the same thing, the family of God. I'm in Christ. And if you are in the church, you are part of something huge. You're part of something eternal. And you are part of something that has a purpose. Now you might remember, if you were with us, that back when we were going through the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians just a few months ago, we came across an amazing analogy that the Apostle Paul used to describe the activity of the church. 
In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul wrote this about the church. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We found when we looked at that, that phrase, citizenship of heaven, we talked about that that could also be translated, instead of for you are your citizenship in heaven, it could be translated, for we are a colony of heaven. Remember that? We are a colony of heaven. And that what the Apostle Paul was doing is he was using the analogy of being a Roman citizen, living in a Roman colony outside of Rome, to explain what it was like to be the church. That as a Roman citizen living outside of Rome in a Roman colony, the purpose of the citizen was to establish and extend Roman rule and culture to the surrounding culture. So a Roman citizen living in a Roman colony far away from Rome was establishing the reality of Rome in a new place. They lived by Roman law. They built Roman-style buildings. They produced Roman-style artwork. Their goal was to bring Rome to that location. In fact, this is what they were. They were Rome away from Rome. You know the phrase we use, home away from home? They were Rome away from Rome. That's what they were. They were trying to accomplish. That is what Paul is wanting the church to understand about its purpose. We are citizens of heaven. Imperfect, flawed people called by God um, to be his very own. And now, given the purpose of establishing a colony of heaven wherever we may find ourselves, that where we meet, it should be like we are an outpost of heaven. Your home, your home life should be a place where it's an outpost of heaven. So people come into your home and they go, what's different about your family? How come you're kind to each other? You love each other. You're gracious towards each other. Why? Because you're a colony of heaven in that location. That's why the enemy of your soul, Satan, wants to destroy the peace in your house. He wants to destroy peace in churches because we are colonies of heaven and he knows, hey, if I can destroy the unity and the love and the grace in those places, then the extension of God in the world is completely hindered because that's how God intends to help the world see what heaven is like, what living with him is like, that we establish small individual little colonies of heaven. So right here and right now, We are a colony of heaven. And we are to create a community where Jesus rules and reigns and he accomplishes his purposes through us, where where his love is expressed through us, where people are welcome to him through us. That's what a colony of heaven looks like, right? Now, we have a way of visualizing this here at Portview, a way of visualizing how we are establishing and extending the kingdom of God here and how we are being a colony of heaven now. Does anybody know what, the, what visual aid we would use to express how? I heard it. I think it's somewhere around here. Portview Pete. Now, you didn't really think I was going to do a How I Love My Church sermon without having at least the How I Love My Church logo and having Portview Pete with us, right? That's what Pete is all about. Pete is all about us seeing how we can be a colony of heaven right here. It's about who we are and what 
God has called us to do. So first of all, let me ask you, friends, if you've been around here for a while, if I say to you, Portview, who are you, what would you say? We're people who care. And that has to do with the heart of Pete. Right there in the center of his chest is his heart. And his heart is that we are people who care. All we do flows from a heart of love. Loving God and loving others is what motivates us to say, okay, we'll partner with a group of people in Ukraine that we will never meet in our lives so that, so that what coronavirus tried to take away by the, by, the, by the collective love of the kingdom of God, church of God, we're going to see it get reestablished, right? Because why? Where people care. You go, I don't know who those people are. Well, God does. And people who care says, you know what? It's about his kingdom and about his people. And he loves the people of Kiev every bit as much as he loves the people of Port Washington. And so if if God has blessed us and we can bless them, love says, care says, let's do it. We want to continually become more conformed to the character of Jesus by expressing love. And how do we say it? We are people who care. That's who we are. Then as people of love and care... We establish and expand the kingdom. Um, We create the colony of heaven wherever we go. So how do we do that? Well, we live our lives, live, live lives of worship, right? We don't just sing songs on Sunday morning, although songs that we sang this Sunday morning to today were awesome. I'm like, Lord, I feel like I'm in heaven. Guess what? That's the point, I feel like I'm, it was heavenly this morning. You have a sense. You have, God created you with a sense, ability to sense things. And this morning in the presence of God was just like you could sense the, just the, 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 the heavy presence of the Spirit of God. That's a little foretaste of heaven. So we worship with our lives. It's not just singing songs on Sunday morning, but worship is about showing the worth of God in everything we do. That's what worship means, the worth-ship. Showing him his worth. So we put Jesus in the center of our world every single day and we live lives that are honoring him in all we do. That's living a life of worship. What do we also do? We connect our right arm. We connect with others in the family of God. If there was one thing that we've learned through COVID, and we're still learning through COVID because it ain't over yet, we need solid relationships with a group of close Christian friends. And I would say this, this is from my observation, but it's also from my reading. Those who had and have navigated COVID the best are those who had a small group of friends that they stayed closely connected with, and those who didn't have that have navigated COVID the worst. I just read this morning on one of the Christian feeds I get that they say in the last one year, 25% of, of people, millennial and younger, have, commit, have, have considered committing suicide. One out of four people that are like 30 years old and under have committed, considered committing suicide because of the COVID pandemic. And they're saying there's no hope. That's why we need each other. For somebody to come alongside you when you're in a bad place and say, God is good. I, met, I was talking to somebody this morning. We we're talking about some real life issues. And I said, but let's remember... God, who God is, and that God is good, and that God has a plan, and that the end of the plan is a new body, and a new heaven, and a new earth, 
and whatever, even though how bad it could be on earth, this doesn't last forever. That's what Christians have, that somebody without hope, without eternity in their hearts doesn't have. And one of the places we find that is as we're connected with other people. We experience the love of heaven when we are in close relationships with a few other Christians. This is essential and great. God calls us to gather in, in, in groups. But we also need the, the, the friends with a few part so that we can experience the best that God has and navigate the challenges of life. What else do we have Does Pete show us? He says, reaching, reaching those who don't yet know Jesus. This is all about expanding the kingdom. And maybe the most effective way of doing this is simply by welcoming someone who doesn't know Jesus yet into your close circle of friends who do know Jesus. Friends, again, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that we can't rely on big events and church services to help people find Jesus. Because tomorrow the government can say, we can't meet. You go, a year ago you'd say, impossible, can't happen. Guess what? It can. I just saw that in, I'm trying to think what European country, they're trying to say, quite possibly, now I think it was Norway, all pastor sermons are going to have to be reviewed by the government before they can preach them. I don't think it's through yet, but they're, they're saying, they're trying to say, every sermon. Well, guess what? If they have to review my sermons, I'll probably be in jail, and that's okay. But you know what? We never know what's going to happen in the future. Um, COVID's taught us anything. It's taught us that we can't rely on, on events, um, but we can love those who need Jesus that we know in our circle and help them understand that he is their own Savior. And I'd say this, especially in times of uncertainty. I would say this, there is no better time since I've been a, a Christian that should be more ripe for bringing people into the kingdom of God than right now after a year of uncertainty. That people are saying everything they believe in is shot. If one out of four young people are thinking about ending their life because they look, there's no hope, guess what we have a message of? There's hope. There's joy. We just spent the whole month, what, what two months in Philippians talking about joy in the midst of shutdown. There's hope. It's not, it's not pie in the sky. It's real. And we get to share that with people who are struggling. So Pete helps us remember that. You know what? We have to reach people who don't know Jesus. What else does he talk to us about how do we establish a colony of heaven here? He says, well, we serve like Jesus served with his love. How do we show the world what heaven is like? We serve them with the love of Jesus here and now. That's something that the world without Jesus doesn't understand. People doing things unselfishly. People doing things without recognition. People doing things in a self-sacrificing way. People loving others even when they're not loved back. Serving others um, without any angle. Trying to say, I'm serving you so I can get this in return. When we act like that, we serve with the love of Christ. We're establishing the kingdom of God now. We're establishing a colony of heaven. And not only is it a blessing, but other people see the reality of God. That makes sense? What else? Pete reminds us of growing more into Christ, the character of Christ. As we partner with the Holy Spirit in the process of growth, what happens? The old self, Paul would use this term, the old self dies away. The, the old mark, controlled by sin, dies slowly. And the new self, the regenerated one in Christ, begins to take over who I am and develop and be who I really am, what people see. Seeing Jesus is in us is how others experience the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. 
We pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is, just like it is in heaven. We're praying for God's reality, the perfection, the beauty, the love, the joy of heaven to be established here and now. And guess what? As colonies of heaven, we can experience it. In fullness, no. But in ever-increasing measures, yes. Do we have problems? Yes. But is God bigger than the problems? Yes. Because we are establishing a kingdom of heaven where God is present with us. So friends, I love the church because it's my family. It's through us that God is changing the world. That he, I know on purpose when I was welcomed into the church, it wasn't because I was perfect. Matter of fact, it's because I was imperfect as every person on planet earth is. Some just don't maybe recognize it. So my question as we wrap up this morning is this. Is there maybe one of these areas that Portview Pete illustrates for us, reminds us about what it is to be, to be to, how do we live out establishing a colony of heaven here? Is there maybe one of these areas that God is highlighting to you today? That as you look at Portview Pete or you listen to what we've said, something just really rises out like, hey, this is the thing that seems really important to me. That's the Spirit of the Lord pointing it out to you and saying, hey, I want to I wanna help you in this area. Maybe it's just be, be more engaged in telling seekers about Jesus. That You know what? You never thought about it. That we think I'm kind of hiding because of the, the craziness world. And I say, no, it's the time to be, to be out there and loud and not loud in an obnoxious way, but, like, but say, listen, we have the answer when no one else does. Or maybe he's calling you to, to live a life of worship more, that, that you are in the, struggling with the depression of the 25%, and you're saying, here's what I know. One of the best ways to handle that is to put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And so what you do instead of, I don't have my phone with me, instead of saying, oh, Facebook, 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 Facebook. No, what you do is you say, hey, Siri, Play some elevation worship for me and just begin to worship the Lord. And understand that, that that sets the stage for a whole life. A life of worship is a life saying, God, you're worthy in everything. Practicing his presence. God, you're with me right now. And God, I'm going to stop what I'm doing in between this task and this task today and just take five minutes and spend a time in one of your psalms and, and just glorify you. What happens is it keeps realigning you and you keep saying, you know what? God really is present with me. Maybe God's speaking to you about something in that. I would just say this. Whatever the Lord is highlighting in your, in your spirit, join him in what he's leading you into today. Join him. I'm not inviting you into it. He's inviting you into it. Whatever he's pointing out, say, okay, God, 2021. It's the year of growth in this area. And you know what? You get to the end of the year and you'll go, man, I'm, I, I, I'm in a better place because I listened to the voice of the Spirit and partnered with Him in my life. That makes sense? Let's pray together. Father, thank You for calling us into Your church. You said, I will build my church. And I thank You that You have, and I thank You that You are. And I thank You you don't build Your church out of stone and wood and shingles, You build your church out of broken um, people. And Lord, 
then this becomes this incredible gathering of broken people who need grace and need to extend grace. And I pray, God, in this particular colony of heaven, that we'd be a place where we burn grace, that we, that we use grace, meaning that we have to, we know we need it and we know we need to extend it to one another. Lord, we want to see your church, this unique colony of heaven, become all that you want it to be. And so, Lord, for myself, and I just say it as the pastor of this amazing church, I say, God, we're saying yes to you. Lord, we've been seeing that lately and all the people saying yes to be involved in kids' ministry. It's been amazing and encouraging and astounding to watch. So many people saying, yes, I want to get involved. Yes, well, Lord, whatever you want to do in us, we're saying this. Our, our hearts are for you. Our hearts, your hearts are for us. Our hearts are for you. Yes, we want to do what you want. So, Lord, whatever it is, right now, Holy Spirit, speak into our souls. Speak into our souls. That area you're highlighting. We don't want to turn from it. That area you're highlighting right now. That thought in our mind. You're inviting us to partner with you to go deeper into that area. And Holy Spirit, I, I ask for each person, each one of us, we say yes, God. That's what we want. Now, Lord, I'd be remiss if we close this service without giving people a chance to say yes to you as their Savior and their Lord for the very first time. Or maybe something this person has done years and years ago, but you know what? It's drifted. It's not been important. Or maybe they, they didn't understand. They saw imperfect people and said, well, they're all imperfect there. Now they understand they're supposed to be. But the church is a place of imperfect people becoming perfected in Christ. And you're within the sound of my voice this morning, friend. You may be in this building or maybe watching online. You're in the sound of a voice of my voice this morning. And you know this. You do not have a real relationship with Jesus. You've not invited him to be your Savior and your Lord. And something inside of your soul this morning is saying, this is what I need. And you're ready to take the first step. If that's you... I'm going to invite our whole church, our eyes closed, our heads bowed. If that's you, I'm the only one looking around. You say, I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want you to do something between you, me, and God. No one else is looking. I want you to look up and look me right in the eyeballs. When I see you, I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to start over on my left. Look to the center. Look me right in the eyes and say, yes, Pastor Mark, I want to say yes to Jesus. And off to my right. And all of you, those of you watching online today, right now I can't see you, but you can see me. This is the most important decision you could ever make in your life. It's becoming who God intended you to become, a follower of His, a child of God. Okay. 
I'm going to invite the whole church to pray with me. For those who have looked at me today, let's just pray this prayer. I pray, if you've, you've said yes, I'm ready to say yes today. I want you just to pray along. Nothing magical about the words. We're just going to pray, which is just talking to God. And what we're going to do is we're going to help you pray a prayer kind of like we all prayed sometime in our life, saying yes to Jesus. So join us in praying this prayer. You're a church family. You're a church family, a colony of heaven. Join us in praying this. Dear Jesus. Let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, we need you today. On this day, I recognize that I need you. I need to be forgiven. I need to be welcomed into your family. And so today, I'm going to turn away from the past and I'm going to turn toward you. On this day, Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior. Meaning you would save me from myself. Save me from the corruption of this world. Save me from sin and death. And today, you would rescue me so that I, in this moment, would become a child of God. And on this day, I say yes to you. And from this day forward, I want to walk with you. So I ask you, God, fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit so that from this moment on, I learn to live with you, to walk in your power, and in my imperfection, join with these other folks in their imperfection. And together, be a colony of heaven. Thank you, Jesus.